Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good morning. Breaking news. State of emergency. Heavy rain, high winds tearing across the northwest, triggering major flooding, damage and power outages. Rescues underway with people trapped in homes and cars. The threat expected to last for days as the storm moves east. We're live with the very latest in the house forecast. Hanging in the balance, jury deliberation set to begin at the double homicide trial of Kyle Rittenhouse this morning after both sides made their closing arguments. You cannot claim self-defense against a danger you create. Every person who was shot was attacking Kyle. Straight ahead, a live report from the courthouse where the teenager's fate now rests in the hands of jurors. Breaking overnight, one-on-one, -on -one, President Biden holds a virtual summit with China's leader, stressing cooperation over conflict amid rising tensions between the nations. That theme on display during a rare bipartisan celebration at the White House for the signing of the president's trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. Bravo. But will that cooperation quickly end as Congress turns to the next phase of the president's agenda? Booster battle. New York City joins several states making that extra dose of the COVID vaccine available for all adults. Pressure now increasing on federal health officials to do the same nationwide, with cases surging once again and holiday gatherings on the way. What's behind the holdup? All that plus dangerous debris. Astronauts on the space station ordered to shelter in place after Russia blows up one of its own satellites. The U.S. outraged. It was dangerous. It was reckless. It was irresponsible. Just ahead, the ongoing threat facing the crew in a live report from Cape Canaveral. And prepping for the parade, an inside look at the brand new floats in this year's Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We are taking you behind the curtain for the big holiday event that everyone is waiting for. Today, Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Oh, welcome today on a Tuesday morning. So happy you're starting with us. The trees outside and now they're getting ready with the Macy's Day Parade I floats. Mean, we're checking balloons. all the boxes mm -hmm. for the holidays. Chanel is doing the honors this morning. She's going to take us behind the scenes and show us what's new this year. Mm. Two words, Baby Yoda. Oh, cannot or wait. Or one word, Grogu. Grogu. Same, same, same guy. But it's all very exciting. We're going to get to Chanel in just a bit. But first, there is a lot to get to on this busy Tuesday, including... That really alarming situation for astronauts on the International Space Station. Debris now hurling through space after a Russian weapons test. We'll take you live to Cape Canaveral. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, the National Guard is on standby, bracing for a verdict as the Kyle Rittenhouse case is given to the jury. We're going to take you live to the courthouse. But we begin this morning with that extreme flooding in the Pacific Northwest, where a state of emergency has now been declared in Washington state. We've got it all covered this morning, including Al's forecast, but we are gonna start 
with NBC's Aaron McLaughlin in Los Angeles. Hey, Aaron, good morning. Hoda, good morning. This fall has seen dramatic weather across the country, but the Pacific Northwest is now getting pounded by a, quote, Pineapple Express, the rain and flooding pushing some areas to the brink and residents stepping in to help the rescue effort. Overnight, relentless rain and high winds, battering parts of the Pacific Northwest, flooding roads, triggering mudslides, forcing residents to flee. An atmospheric river event affecting parts of Washington State, Oregon, and British Columbia, Canada. It's part of a weather phenomenon often called the Pineapple Express by meteorologists because its moisture system extends as far away as the Hawaiian Islands. A storm with winds so strong blowing over this 18-wheeler, the tractor-trailer left leaning over a guardrail. In Bellingham, Washington, heavy rains wreaking havoc, submerging cars and gas stations underwater. Six inches of rain falling in just a few days. In Whatcom County, north of Seattle, city and county rescue crews were inundated with calls for help. So neighbors used fishing boats to bring people to safety. In Forks, Washington, frightening moments as a U.S. Coast Guard air crew rescued six adults and four children, including one baby, dangling in the air above floodwaters. Holding, it's a very small child. While residents in western Washington tweeting photos of their rescue from a stranded Greyhound bus. In northwest Washington, at least four rivers have reached record levels of flooding. That, according to the National Weather Service, it's gotten so bad, the governor there has issued an emergency proclamation to try to reach the hardest hit areas. Hoda. All right, Aaron McLaughlin Flores. Aaron, thank you. Let's turn to Al get more on this weather threat and where it is headed yeah. now. Hi, Al. Morning. Yeah, guys, this is actually going to be a kind of a coast-to-coast -coast system, but we see this, this atmospheric river of moisture just coming into the Pacific Northwest. They have been getting hit since the third week of October. This one, so far, in 31 days, the Pacific Northwest, 40 inches of rain, the wettest days for parts of Canada, and Seattle has had its wettest fall on record. And you can see the, the bulk of it has now started to taper off, but there we're still going to see a lot of river rise right now. There's been snow melt going on, so flooding is not done yet. It's just really, in a sense, for this part of the country, getting started. However, this system is going to be making its way to the east through the Rockies this morning, bringing some snow with it as it pushes through. Now, an unseasonably warm ridge of air building ahead of this system, so we'll see some record-breaking temperatures. The brunt of this storm is going to stay up to the north and bring snow north of the border, but as it gets to the east, starting in Chicago, it'll start bringing more rain, drawing in more moisture, and so we're looking for, generally speaking, by Thursday, anywhere from a half an inch to an inch of rain stretching all the way down from the northeast into the into parts of the Midwest. But for right now, the worst of the rain is over for the Pacific Northwest, but the flooding is going to remain. All right, Al, thank you so much. Now to Wisconsin, where the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse is entering its final phase this morning. Jurors are about to begin deliberating the fate of the teenager who shot three people, killing two during a night of unrest last summer. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is at the courthouse. He's followed this case every step of the way. Hey, Gabe, good morning. Hoda, good morning. Hundreds of National Guard members are on standby as this heated trial moves one step closer to a verdict. The jury must now decide that central question. Did this teenager provoke the violence or just defend himself against it?
This morning, Kyle Rittenhouse's case will be in the hands of the jury after closing arguments painted two very different pictures. He feared for his life. The defendant provoked everything. Last August, during protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Rittenhouse shot and killed two men and wounded a third. The prosecution portraying Rittenhouse as a wannabe soldier who provoked the bloodshed. You cannot claim self-defense against a danger you create. Arguing Rittenhouse crossed state lines looking for trouble. No serious, credible medic wears an AR-15 slung around their body. Rittenhouse's team doubling down on its self-defense argument. Every person who was shot was attacking Kyle. Kyle shot Joseph Rosenbaum to stop a threat to his person. And I'm glad he shot him. Saying Rittenhouse went to Kenosha to protect the city from rioters, and he was ambushed. His attorney comparing his client to the police officer who shot Jacob Blake, the incident that sparked the unrest. Other people in this community have shot somebody seven times, and it's been found to be okay. And my client did it four times in three quarters of a second to protect his life. Both sides also revisiting Rittenhouse's own emotional testimony. People right there. And he was willing to get up on that witness stand, take the oath, and tell his story. He broke down crying about himself, not about anybody that he hurt that night. The now 18-year-old faces five felony counts, including intentional homicide. The judge dismissed a sixth count, a misdemeanor gun possession charge, because of an exception in the law. Jurors may also consider some lesser charges if they acquit Rittenhouse on more serious counts. The city of Kenosha now bracing for a verdict. No justice, no in a trial that is testing the limits of self-defense. I was in the courtroom for part of those closing arguments and security is very tight. It was tough to see those graphic photos of some of the gunshot wounds, but tough to gauge the reaction of individual jurors. Now, later this morning, 12 jurors will be randomly selected from the 18 who have heard the case so far and then jury deliberations will begin, Hoda. All right, Gabe Gutierrez for us at the courthouse. Gabe, thank you. Breaking overnight, the president wrapping up several hours of virtual talks with the leader of China, discussing differences and also ways to ease tension between our two countries. This after a long-awaited victory for the White House when it comes to the administration's domestic agenda, a signing ceremony for that infrastructure bill. NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welker, with the details. Hi, Kristen. Good morning. Hi, Savannah. Good morning to you. President Biden is hitting the road today, traveling to New Hampshire to sell his infrastructure package after he did sign that bill into law during that bipartisan ceremony yesterday. But overnight, it was the president's foreign policy agenda in the spotlight with that critical call that you mentioned with China's president, which lasted for three and a half hours. Now, according to senior officials, there were no major breakthroughs, but they discussed topics that are critically important to both countries. Overnight, a high-stakes face-to-face. President Biden meeting virtually with China's President Xi Jinping for the first time since taking office and with economic and military tensions intensifying. The meeting showed those divisions between the two countries aren't that easy to dismiss, but the two emphasized their personal relationships. President Xi calling President Biden my old friend. We never walk away wondering what the other man is thinking. According to a senior administration official, the president confronted the Chinese leader on climate, Beijing's unfair economic practices, its poor human rights record, and threats toward Taiwan. But afterwards, she called America's relationship with Taiwan, quote, playing with fire. 
earlier, the president took a victory lap on his domestic agenda, signing the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill into law, the nation's largest investment in infrastructure in a generation. Despite the cynics, Democrats and Republicans can come together and deliver results. The legislation passed with support from 13 Republicans in the House and 19 in the Senate. Many of those lawmakers have faced a backlash from former President Trump and his allies in Congress. Republican Senator Rob Portman, who attended the ceremony, speaking out. Finding common ground to advance the interests of the American people should be rewarded, not attacked. It comes as the second part of the president's agenda, the $1.75 trillion Build Back Better domestic spending plan, is facing an uphill battle in the Senate, where centrist Democrats Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin have raised questions about its price tag. It would pump trillions of dollars into the economy at a time when inflation is at a record high. The president notably thanked Sinema for supporting the infrastructure bill as she hailed the bipartisan achievement. This is what it looks like. When elected leaders set aside differences, shut out the noise, and focus on delivering results. So what happens now on that infrastructure package? Well, look, there are some projects that may be ready to go right now, but the White House acknowledges that many of the proposals could take months, if not years, to get underway. So today, the president is going to visit a bridge in New Hampshire that is in need of major repair. They're hoping that work begins soon. Tomorrow, the president travels to Michigan. And Savannah, it is worth noting that both stops this week are swing states with critical voters ahead of next year's midterms. You know, Savannah. I noticed that, Kristen, I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Another major story in Washington, the congressional investigation on the January 6th insurrection. Former Trump White House advisor Steve Bannon remaining defiant after facing a judge on criminal contempt charges for ignoring a subpoena from Congress. NBC senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake joins us with more. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. Mr. Bannon surrendered to federal authorities yesterday after being indicted for his refusal to cooperate with the House committee investigating that January 6th Capitol riot. Later, he would be released on his own recognizance. The former top Trump advisor says he's now going on offense, suggesting that the charges are politically motivated. This morning, a defiant Steve Bannon vowing to fight contempt of Congress charges. I'm never going to back down, and they, they, they took on the wrong guy this time. The 67-year-old Trump loyalist appeared in federal court on Monday, facing two charges for refusing to deliver testimony and documents related to the Capitol riot. His legal team citing former President Trump's claim of executive privilege. This is unheard of to force a, a, a person to uh, violate the invocation of executive privilege. The indictment the is CCP unprecedented. Bannon, who left the White House in 2017, is the first person ever prosecuted for contempt of Congress when executive privilege was asserted. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Earlier in the day, the former top Trump advisor live streaming his arrival to surrender to federal authorities. We're taking down the Biden regime. The House committee investigating January 6th is zeroing in on an alleged conversation between Bannon and the former president on December 30th, 2020, in which they say Bannon urged Mr. Trump to plan for and focus his efforts on January 6th. Along with comments Bannon made on his radio show the day before rioters descended on the Capitol. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. Even if Bannon is convicted, that doesn't necessarily mean Congress will get him to talk. 
This is criminal contempt. They are not seeking to compel his testimony. They are seeking to punish him for his act of contempt in front of Congress. Meanwhile, the committee is also threatening to seek criminal contempt charges against Mark Meadows after he failed to show up for his deposition last week. Meadows' lawyer has said the former White House chief of staff, quote, remains under the instructions of former President Trump to respect longstanding principles of executive privilege. How optimistic are you that he might still ultimately testify? Well, I'm hopeful. I'd much rather just hear from him, get the answers and, and move on. Uh, but, you know, look, I also understand that people that have a lot to hide have a lot to fear. And for his part, Mr. Bannon is due back in court on Thursday when he's expected to be arraigned and enter a plea. If convicted, Bannon could face up to a year behind bars and a fine of up to $100,000. Hoda. All right, Garrett Higforth there at the Capitol. Garrett, thank you. We welcome in Craig. Lots more to get to this morning. Hey, Savannah. Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. The nation's largest city going all in on COVID vaccine booster shots for adults 18 and older now. New York City joining a growing list of states now bypassing the current federal guidelines. NBC Sam Brock has more on what it all means for people in other parts of the country with COVID cases climbing again. The holidays almost here. Hey, Sam, good morning. Yeah, the timing, of course, very important, Craig. Good morning. Look, this really ramps up the pressure right now on the FDA and the CDC to update their guidelines with more cities and states expected to follow suit. And, Craig, those local officials are arguing that the federal government allows for boosters for high-risk populations and that everybody, theoretically, in their city or state is at high risk. The federal government right now choosing to look the other way. With COVID cases once again on the rise, health leaders coast to coast are trying to pump the brakes on an upward trend. Hi, it's Dr. Dave Choksi with an update about COVID-19 booster shots. New Yorkers likely recognize these ads with the city's health commissioner, who's been encouraging boosters for those 65 and older or with underlying health conditions. But now, with backing from the mayor, Dr. David Choksi offering them to all fully vaccinated adults six months clear of Pfizer and Moderna or two months after the J&J &J jab, some four and a half million people. We've seen uh, throughout the pandemic that we have to stay a step ahead of the virus. And the decision that New York City made was very much in that vein. That proactive posture coming as Colorado, California, New Mexico and Arkansas all issued the same guidance taking a looser interpretation of federal guidelines that allow boosters for high-risk populations. In Minnesota, which has seen a nearly 70% increase in cases the last two weeks, the virus is flooding communities big and small. We are all full. This, this is not getting better. This as Americans try and sort through mixed messaging on boosters. I think the confusing message around the boosters may, may end up being one of the biggest missed opportunities in this pandemic. States and cities are trying to take the lead. The CDC says adults with increased risk of exposure should get the booster, and some local officials say that can cover all adults. How does New York City have the autonomy to make this decision? The commissioner's advisory that I issued today um, is consistent with the FDA authorization and the CDC guidance. An important part of that guidance is about risk of exposure. Choksi says we're learning from Europe, which tends to foreshadow what happens in the U.S. Cases there rising so precipitously, Austria has imposed a lockdown for unvaccinated people, and Germany is considering the same. We feel much safer uh. when, when I know that the people that are walking around are vaccinated. Even with all the talk about boosters, health officials emphasizing the most important shot is the first one. 
Medical experts say supply here is not the issue, that cities and states and pharmacies have enough boosters. The question right now is liability. If someone were to get a booster shot that is not federally authorized to do so and has complications, who's responsible? Could it be the state? Could it be the health care provider? A lot of unanswered questions. Craig, back to you. All right. Sam Brock, for us there in Florida. Sam, thank you. 19 minutes past the hour. Let's check back in with Mr. Roker, see what he's got. Hey, guys. Yeah. So we're looking across the country. Things not all that exciting, but all in all, not too bad. We've got some record highs down through the south, Texas on into the central plains. Very windy up west. We've got, we're going to be looking at some wind advisories there. Chilly here in the northeast. Little lake effect snow still hanging around. Leeward side of the eastern Great Lakes and plenty of sunshine down through the gulf and on into the southeast. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All right, Al, thank you. Coming up, an alarming situation unfolding in space. Astronauts aboard the ISS forced to take shelter after Russia blew up a satellite and scattered a dangerous debris field. The U.S. is not happy. We'll have the very latest. Plus, the intense spotlight on fertility treatments in the wake of several high-profile mix-ups. How common are those mistakes, and what is being done to limit those risks? Vicki Wynn has an eye-opening look at an industry facing growing demand and scrutiny. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join me, Esther Perel, every Monday in my office on Where Should We Begin? I'm talking to couples and individuals about love and work, about turning conflict into connection. More than ever, our relationships define the quality of our lives. So let's explore the myriad of relational challenges together. See you Monday. Good morning. Nice to see you all. How exhausted are you? I mean, you've had pretty much of a whirlwind, well, gosh, a whirlwind year, but the past couple weeks have been really crazy. What have you guys been up to? Um, we saw the premiere on Sunday. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Look at God. Don't you recognize him? Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, right here in our studio way back in the day. How far way back in the day? 20 wow. years ago exactly promoting the very first Harry Potter film and just ahead we're going to mark two decades of that movie magic with a visit to the place where it all started. Oh we're going to Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Yeah. Okay. Look forward to that. All right let's get a check of our 730 headlines guys. The search is on this morning for suspects in a drive-by shooting that left six teenagers wounded in a Denver suburb. It happened in broad daylight in a park right across the street from their high school in Aurora, Colorado. 
all the victims are expected to survive. Police are calling on residents to come forward with any information they might have to help find those responsible. The Wyoming Republican Party will no longer recognize Liz Cheney as a member of the GOP. It's the party's second formal rebuke for her continued criticism of former President Donald Trump. Now, the resolution does not strip her of any power. She is one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump in January after the insurrection at the Capitol. She also serves as vice chair of the House Select Committee investigating that attack. Well, move over, pumpkin pie. Apparently, there's a new dessert that's all the rage this Thanksgiving holiday. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Reese's has introduced a gigantic version of their classic okay. peanut butter cup. Don't get too excited, though. No, why? Uh, why? I'm well, excited. The bite-sized treat, it's nine inches in diameter. Nine. It equates to almost three and a half pounds of solid peanut butter and chocolate. Supply was limited. What do you mean? Reese's only made 3,000 of them. What? $45 a pop. And they're already sold out. Why so did you back give... in pumpkin pie? Yes. Like, why are you teasing Why are you telling us, us this story I, I wanted, when it's already I been sold? I wanted people to know what they missed out on. Oh. So I'm sure they'll bring it back at yeah. 35 bucks I guess we'll have to choke yeah. down some yeah. pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, we'll turn now to those dramatic moments in space we mentioned and a danger that is still unfolding this morning. That's right. The crew aboard the International Space Station, including four Americans, they were forced to shelter in place after a Russian weapons test apparently destroyed a satellite, scattering debris that's now stuck in orbit. NBC's Carrie Sanders joins us now from Cape Canaveral with the very latest. Hey, Carrie, good morning. Well, good morning. I'm in the Rocket Garden at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex, and there is high anxiety at NASA this morning. The fear is that there is that debris cloud, maybe something about this size, maybe even smaller than a dime that could collide with the space station, and if it were to collide, it could hit with the force almost 10 times that of a speeding bullet. Space may be infinite, but this morning, a debris field threatens the space station. We were recently informed of a satellite breakup and uh, need to have you guys uh, start reviewing the safe haven procedure. That call from ground control to the space station coming after Russia fired a missile at one of its own satellites, destroying it, launching hundreds of thousands of pieces of dangerous debris into orbit and triggering a full-throated condemnation from the U.S. government. It was dangerous, it was reckless, it was irresponsible. The space station circles the Earth every 90 minutes, moving at more than 17,000 miles per hour. If it collides with even the smallest piece of debris, it would have the impact of almost 10 times the force of a bullet. NASA says the seven astronauts on board retreated to their docked capsules Monday in case an emergency escape was needed. But later, all on board resumed normal operations. Those seven astronauts, including four Americans, one German, and two Russian cosmonauts. NASA astronaut Mark Vandehey calmly signing off to Mission Control in Houston. Thanks for a, uh, a crazy but uh, well-coordinated day. It was certainly a great way to bond as a crew starting off our very first work day in space. The three other Americans, Raja Kari, Kayla Barron and Tom Marshburn and German astronaut Matthias Mara arrived just last week on SpaceX's Crew-3 flight. The U.S. State Department warning the U.S. will work with allies to respond to Russia's action. U.S. Space Command is now tracking the debris and says it could remain in orbit for years 
possibly decades. Uh, what the Russians did today with these 1,500 pieces of tracko trackable orbital debris uh, poses a risk not only to those astronauts, not only to those cosmonauts, uh, but to satellites, to the interests of all nations. So, Kerry, that debris could be in orbit for a long time, for years. So is it still going to pose a risk to the International Space Station? Well, NASA's mission control says the urgent threat will likely last for at least a couple more days. But as you point out, there is also other space junk up there. In fact, in June, a piece of space junk hit the International Space Station robotic arm. So it is something they have to deal with. This morning, Russia is now confirming that they did blow up that satellite with a missile, but they're pushing back, saying that it caused no threat to anybody on the International Space Station, including their own cosmonauts. Mm. Hoda? All right, Carrie Sanders for us there in Cape Canaveral. Uh, thanks, Carrie. All right. When we come back on a Monday, Tuesday morning, mm -hmm. uh, is the growing demand for fertility clinics leading to more mix-ups, more mistakes? Vicki Wynn is here to look at why they seem to be happening more and more, the impact on families and what couples need to know to reduce that risk right after this. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand-new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I do the only thing we've found that has ever made life any easier. We drop the fake and we just talk really raw and honestly about all the hard parts of life. So come on over and join us and some of our friends and greatest heroes like former First Lady Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, Gloria Steinem, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brandi Carlisle. Brene Brown, and our beloved community, the Pod Squad. You'll hear refreshingly honest conversations, trust me, about sex, gender, parenting, blended families, our bodies, anxiety, addiction, feeling overwhelmed, just all of it. Life is hard, so let's do it together. Meet us every Tuesday and Thursday for We Can Do Hard Things, one of Apple and Spotify's top shared podcasts of 2023. Listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back this morning in depth today and growing concerns over in vitro fertilization procedures in the wake of several high profile mix ups. NBC's investigative and consumer correspondent Vicki Wynn is here with what everyone needs to know before they choose a fertility clinic. Hey, Vic. Good morning. Hi, yes, good morning. Important information in vitro fertilization or IVF, it's a series of procedures where eggs are fertilized in the lab before they're implanted in a woman's uterus. That process can turn the dream of having a baby into a reality. But as we have recently seen, it can also lead to heartbreak. This morning, how to reduce your chances of a mix-up. 
A Utah couple left stunned after a DNA test recently revealed their 12-year-old son, conceived through IVF, had a different biological father. The case just the latest in a string of troubling headlines. Just last week, a California couple sharing their nightmare story. I was robbed of the ability to carry my own child. Months after giving birth, Daphna Cardinale says she and her husband Alexander discovered the baby girl they conceived through IVF was genetically unrelated to them. The couple now suing the California Center for Reproductive Health, claiming the fertility clinic switched Daphna's embryo with another woman's, leading the two strangers to give birth to each other's daughters. The Cardinales say a DNA test confirmed the mix-up. It's a truly impossible nightmare that inflicted trauma that will affect my family for the rest of our lives. The families have since legally swapped the babies. The clinic and the doctor involved have not responded to requests for comment. In 2019, Ani and Asot Manukian said a mix-up at a different California fertility clinic resulted in their embryo being implanted in a New York woman. They couldn't meet their baby boy until he was six weeks old. Nobody should meet their baby in the lobby of a hotel. With one in eight couples struggling with infertility issues, IVF has become a booming business. According to preliminary CDC data, 2019 saw more than 80,000 babies born through IVF or other assisted reproductive technologies. And since the industry is loosely regulated, it's unclear just how often these kinds of mix-ups occur. But experts say the margin of error keeps widening, a direct correlation with the growing demand for IVF. It's not altogether surprising when you look at the growth the IVF sector has experienced over recent years and the scale of the quantity of specimens that these IVF clinics are now having to safely care for and manage. Tara Comont is the CEO of Tomorrow Life Sciences, the developer of an automated platform for the storage and management of frozen eggs and embryos. So far, a handful of clinics across the country have adopted the technology, which assigns a unique digital ID to every patient and features a 24-7 monitoring system. It's a stark contrast to the way many clinics currently handle cells, a method involving a collection of large storage containers and tiny handwritten labels. We can fit about 25 to 30 of these into, into our robot. If I were a patient going through IVF today, I would be asking my clinic if they're using the latest technology. But even with all the advances, it boils down to basics. Make sure your clinic uses a clear labeling system that's easy to read and ask how they keep track of the eggs and embryos. A growing number of clinics now require an electronic coding system and at least one witness to help double check unique identifiers attached to each specimen. Now, there is some oversight for the fertility industry, but it is a patchwork of federal and state agencies, private professional organizations, and accredited associations. Now, legal experts have told us the only real recourse when something goes wrong is to sue, and that is what we are seeing a lot of families doing, unfortunately. Yeah, suing, but for some, there is no real recourse exactly. if, you, if you lose an embryo. It's just so precious, more precious than gold. Mm -hmm. Are there other tips or red flags to look out for if you're considering different fertility clinics? Yeah, Savannah, well, aside from asking the clinics first how they keep their genetic material organized, experts say look for clinics that are affiliated with the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology. They help maintain the standards for the entire industry. 
Make sure a clinic doesn't have any recorded FDA violations. You can look that up. And also avoid clinics that have a high rate of multiple embryo transfers. So these are some things you got to do your own homework on, but it is important as yep. we've seen. Wow. Vicki, thank you thank very you, much. Thank you, Vicki. Uh, time now for another check of the forecast. Mr. Roker, what are we looking at? Well, we got some really warm weather for the midsection of the country. 10 to 20 degrees above average temperatures from Omaha, Tulsa. Look at Lubbock, Texas, 86. Dallas, 84 degrees. We could see some records today. Those warm temperatures move to the east tomorrow. D.C., you're going to be in the mid to upper 60s. Raleigh, 73. Pittsburgh, 64 degrees. That's 13 degrees above average. Atlanta even getting in on the act at 73, 9 degrees above average. But we've got noticeably cooler weather coming by Saturday. It's only 43 in uh, Rochester, 48 in New York City, 50 in D.C., 50 out in Cincinnati. And looking ahead, 6 to 10-day outlook, warmer than average out west, cooler than average in the east, and we're keeping an eye on the pattern shift. We could see some trouble in the mid-Atlantic states to the northeast as we head into that pre-Thanksgiving travel time, so we're going to be watching that. Wetter than average down through Texas and drier than average out west. And that is your latest weather. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Al. Still ahead, planning to drive to your Thanksgiving destination? Well, if you are, that trip's going to cost you. What's caused gas prices to soar? And why some relief could be months away. But first, these messages. We are back with a superstar special guest, Harry Smith. Yes, baby. This is a big on, deal. It's the best Carson, I love that. Yeah, you want See, more What's, what's the you. name of the guy who does it usually? <laughs> <laughs> usually, I love it. So do you know what happened 20 years ago today? The very first Harry Potter oh. movie hit U.S. theaters. This morning, we're going to raise a pint of butterbeer in celebration as we pay an exclusive visit to the set where the magic began.